Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yo, welcome in to the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for listening today. I know that we have been super sports heavy in the pod. We are still making sure that we do our interviews, though, talking with interesting people about interesting stuff. And today is no exception. One of my absolute favorites is on the show. And I guess it does actually have something to do with sports because of the work that Kyle Higgins is doing with Lance Briggs. Kyle's resume is amazing. You talk about an artist, like a creative. If you look at what he's done, and you could check out Ultraman now on Netflix. If you haven't, that's Kyle's work. Whether it's voice directing or directing the stuff that he did with Power Rangers, the incredible run that he had with Nightwing and Winter Soldier. He does a little bit of everything. He's also a Chicago dude that has been working in the comic book industry for a really, really long time. Before I continue the intro, let me just say that we are brought to you by the fine folks over at Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. I really have enjoyed the partnership with Mazda of Orland Park. You know, As I'm recording this, the, the White Sox have, are out of the, the, the playoffs, and it's time for a new season. But I really enjoy that Mazda of Orland Park has jumped on board for the stuff that I've done on Twitter and them wanting to be a partner with House of L. So I truly appreciate that. The same can be said for Team Hochberg. If you are buying or refinancing a home, David Hochberg is the guy that you want to help you through that process. You can find him very easily. You should check out his website, 56david.com. You don't have to take my word for it, but at least go there and see some of the testimonials. 
or 855-56-DAVID. Just call him. Just be like, hey, Lawrence was talking about you on his podcast. He said that you're cool. What up? And he'll help you out. He's a good dude. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. Kyle and I can talk for hours. And if he wasn't so tired from doing everything that he's doing, we probably would have. I mean, there's there's stuff I left out of this conversation because we got into a conversation about baseball and I was telling him Joe Madden stories. and But I left that out. What I left in was a really incredible conversation with the creative. So here's what's going on. Lance and Kyle have known each other, and I'm going to let Kyle kind of explain that more in depth. They've known each other for a really long time, and if you don't know, Lance is a huge comic book fan. He's already done one book called Seraph, which was pretty good. And now he and Kyle are working on this book called The Trap. It's a futuristic story that that came out of their brains. I've seen some of the artwork, and I'm, I use one of the thumbnails for for the artwork. They have a Kickstarter campaign because they want to create it. This is going to be a graphic, an actual graphic novel, an actual graphic novel, not like a collection and. Kyle will explain that inside the episode, but a a legitimate graphic novel that came from their minds. Kyle is actually one of those people that I talk to a lot, even when I'm not like asking him to be on the podcast or, or being on the radio show. We just text back and forth and he's actually, I'm thinking about doing some stuff creatively, like writing wise. And he'll probably be the person that I asked to shepherd me through putting stuff down on paper again. And I haven't done anything in a creative manner in a really, really long time. The collaboration with Lance Briggs looks really cool. I want you to hear what Kyle had to say about it because I don't think I can do it justice. But please support this man in everything that he does. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle D Higgins. Support this man because this guy is, he's doing a lot of stuff. He's working on a lot of different projects at the same time. And he definitely could use your support. But the Kickstarter campaign is going on right now. I'm going to donate. There's some cool tiers in here too. If you want to donate and get yourself some swag, you should check it out. If you just go and Google Kickstarter project, The Trap, and Lance Briggs, you will find it. They are getting closer to their goal. So help out if you can. And you'll hear inside here why you should get involved with it. It's dope. So I don't want to hold it up anymore. I want you to hear the conversation. Kyle and I talked about a lot of things, but I wanted to learn how does something go from an idea to getting it down on paper and getting it out to the public. And he has some incredible stories of some of your favorite comic books and how those came together quickly. 
quicker than I ever imagined that they could. So this is us talking about The Trap, which is the graphic novel that Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins are working on. Our buddy returns to the podcast, Kyle Higgins. As someone who is a lifelong Bears fan, when you found out, when you and Lance got connected initially, what was it like for you to be connected with someone that you loved watching play? It was pretty cool. Uh, not going to lie. Cause we met while he was playing as well. So we go back probably seven or eight years at this point. And I remember my career was kind of just starting. I was writing at Marvel and, and um, I think I was at DC at that point. Um, and this article came out in the Chicago Tribune profiling Lance and specifically calling attention to his love of comic books and something it was a website that he had he had at that time called lance's comic world or comics world and i was i was reading i was like this is crazy like i mean he was talking about 90s image uh he was talking about 90s image books that he loved and um, issues of of uh, x-men and the darkness and wolverine and um you know we were he's a few years older than me but we're very much of the same kind of generation when it comes to growing up on comics and I just kind of like filed that away in the back of my mind, like thinking like, okay, well, if I ever meet him, like, obviously there's something to talk about there. And I think, I, I think we actually first connected over Twitter. Um, I responded to a tweet of his about something comics related. And I asked him if he liked Batman and he was like, everybody likes Batman. <laughs> and then he must've clicked on my profile to see that I wrote, I was writing Batman. <laughs> and so we just started chatting and uh, I told him, I was like, yeah, man, if you're ever in LA, like hit me up, you know, I'd love to hook you up with a tour of the DC offices and, and whatnot. And, um, although actually at that time, DC was in New York. So that may have, that may have come later, but, um, a few months later I was in Chicago and he was doing a signing in, you know, on the North side. And I just, I reached out and I was like, um, Hey, I happen to be in town. Like, you know, um, if, if you had any interest in talking comics or whatnot. So he's like, yeah, come by. So we met up there and then just kind of stayed in touch. And, and uh, he came out to LA and we had lunch and just talked comics and football and things like that. And then uh, went and did the tour of the DC offices, which was, was awesome. And then um, a few months later, was back in LA. He had he had done this book at Top Cow called Serif. With, yeah, uh, with with Phil Hester. Yeah, and I know he was kind of. I remember he was kind of talking about like dusting that back off and seeing if he could do something else with it and build it out in a in a in a, in a new way. And so I, we sat down um, at a hotel in in Hollywood just to kind of like you know just kind of riff a little bit. And I gave him my honest feedback and thoughts about the um the book that had come out but also his ideas for the concept and things like that and then it wasn't for a few more years um once he retired that the idea of doing comics again came up um pretty seriously and i you were actually a part of that too because um i think you guys were talking about my power rangers comics on a, on a podcast or on air one night do you remember this yeah i do and um, I think you texted me and said like, hey, we were, uh, your ears, your, your ears might be, uh, might be ringing or might be burning, whatever the saying is. Uh, and so then Lance and I were talking about books and he's like, 
he's like, dude, you're killing it on, on power Rangers. And, and, uh, you know, if you ever want to do something like, you know, I really want to get back into comics. And, and I said, if you're serious, like, yeah, let's, let's sit down and let's figure it out. And so, uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer, we started having more serious conversations about what that would look like. And I basically said like, Serif is interesting. I said, but I think it would be more interesting if we built something new together. Instead and of going back into to doing that, like why not create an entire new universe and characters? Yeah, exactly. So um, <clears throat> there was a, there was a period of, uh, of a couple weeks that uh, I, I were just crazy for me last year where I did four conventions and like four weekends in a row, comic book conventions. And, uh, but in between them, cause they're all in different cities in between them. I, I did like a cross country train trip from Seattle to Chicago. Then I flew back to LA. Then I flew up to Portland for a meeting at image for a day. And I flew back to LA, went down to WonderCon, Then I flew to Houston. And I was also voice directing this, um, the power Rangers video game at the time as well. And I was like, I was really, really hurting by the end of it. It was, I did like six or seven cities in, in four weeks. And uh, on my final leg home from Houston, um, Lance flew to LA uh, to meet with me. So I literally got off the plane and just, we, and, and hopped in an Uber and it dropped me off like at a restaurant. And we just sat to start talking about ideas and characters. And Lance had brought a notebook and, and Lance is prolific, like straight up. Like he, he is a prolific uh character builder and, and, and character designer and world builder. Like he, you know, so many of our conversations are start with Lance going. So I had this idea and my job then is to go, yes. Okay. Let me see if I can, let me ask the questions to figure out why this is resonating for you because I have to figure out how this fits in with the overall narrative that we're, we're looking to build. And, uh, and so we're sitting down and, and Lance is like pitching me different characters and, and thinking about it and we're talking and, and all the characters were interesting, but not necessarily interesting enough in my mind to like build out an entire book around, for example, like the concept on each one wasn't, you know, they were interesting unto themselves, but I wasn't quite sure what the book would be. Right. And then as we just started talking about life and how we both grew up, um, Lance started telling me what his childhood was like and um, living in, in Sacramento and what that world was like for him um, in that environment. And um, that really grabbed me. And it was there kind of in that initial conversation that I, I remember I said, well, what if we just build a world where we can do all of these characters? I said, because if we build the right world and it's a world that is set up with a foundation um, how do I want to, how do I want to phrase this? A lot of the issues that we were talking about, things that are very, you know, close to Lance's heart and, and mine as well, just as far as, um, you know, underserved communities, things of that nature. Part of the problem when you're talking about very real issues and you're trying to explore them through fiction is that if you're not careful, like no one wants something shoved down their throat philosophically or politically, you know, so you have to find a way to explore the, the, the central kind of core of an issue in a way that is accessible. 
and also allows for readers and viewers to um, feel at ease as they're coming to learn about the issue, right? Um, and also it has to be narratively compelling story, like first and foremost, like take, take all of the, the underlying kind of um, thematics aside, the story better be real good, right? And so this idea of, of a far future where Earth has become annexed into an interstellar coalition of planets, but as such, um, Earth actually is kind of the redheaded stepchild of that coalition of planets means all of a sudden the entire world, the entire planet Earth is an underserved community. So it's a way to start looking at some of these um, ideas and these issues through the lens of them being worldwide problems rather than just being, you know, certain cities or certain areas of certain cities. Um, it's a way to kind of take the issues of so many and, and bring them onto an interstellar stage. And so that meant, you know, a true melting pot of people um, on Earth and different species, which then lends, lends itself to some of the different character ideas that Lance has. And it was really just about putting together this foundation um, where we could come in and tell hopefully really resonant stories that um, there is an underlying meaning there, but it's, it's done through that lens of science fiction. And, and the thing I've been saying all week as we've been doing press for this is the best science fiction is allegorical, right? Like it's, there's, there's an underlying message there where it is both, it can be a cautionary tale. It also can be um, a statement on something. It can, it can, it, you can do so much through the genre if, um, you know, if, if you treat it with respect and, and, uh, and, and take it seriously. And, and, you know, that's, so that, that's been the approach. That's a super long-winded way of answering your first question of uh, how did it feel to connect with the, uh, with a Chicago bear that you grew up loving? But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that, that's kind of the long and short of it. When I talked with Lance about this, I mean, you can tell that, what you're saying about him growing up in Sacramento and I've had it, I've talked with him both on the air and off the air about his experience of being an athlete of reputation, someone who's yes. really good at, at playing football and what that was like for him. I think the parallels with the book and all of the dangers that come with that, Right. And in some cases, people don't realize that there are trappings that that take place for these people. People think, well, everything's great for you. Everything's right. easy for you because you have this gift and you've worked hard to cultivate this gift. I think that's one of the most interesting things about this project is that it's going to show in a sci-fi way, in an allegorical way, how things are for people like Lance that have all this, this stuff that people envy, but, right. but the different roads that it could lead down. Yeah. And look like ultimately, and I, I want to preface this by saying like, first and foremost, it's about the story. It's about the narrative. It's about the drama. Um, but the underlying messaging, or at least what we're looking to explore um, it's oftentimes really hard to see while we as a species have this incredible ability that no other species has, right? 
to empathize. It's why we think our toys come alive when we go to sleep at night. It's why we talk to our pets. It's, it's, it's the very process of mapping um, our ideas of, of and personifying inanimate objects or, or animals that is part of our ability to place ourselves in someone else's shoes. But when you don't come from that world and when you don't know what that's like, it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone like Lance and what that upbringing was, et cetera. So like when I say, and, and I apologize, I'm very, very tired today and was very sick yesterday. So I'm, I'm probably not quite as articulate on this as, as I would like to be. But for, for us, building out this world and figuring out, okay, what are the topics that are going to matter here? I mean, we're talking about race, we're talking about gender, we're talking about social and economic disparity. And so much of that then is about creating the right scenario and a version of the world where those issues that you may not recognize in your life, now we're creating a world where those issues relate and apply to everyone. And, and that was kind of like the core idea for um, how to build this out, again, through that, through that lens of empathy. And the other thing that about, you know, I heard Lance on, on your show today, and one of the things I loved that he said, and it's something that we've talked about quite a bit, is that, you know, for Lance, the communities he grew up in very much rallied around him. And the idea that a community says, no, 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 you're, you're gonna, we're, you're gonna get out. Like, we're gonna make sure, like, you, you have to, you know, um, is something that is very, uh, very important and very personal to him. Um, and it's definitely something that is at the heart of the story, the main story in the trap, which is about Jalen, um, you know, an athlete in the interstellar sport of the future, surf riding, who um, is from a not so great part of the galaxy, a planet called Earth. But, uh, you know, during the race, he's, he's as good as they come. And he definitely can go far off world as well. He just has to get off world first. And has to have some of those people pushing at his back to help yes. get him off world. Yeah. Lance, Lance seemed very, when, when we were talking, like he was, and the stuff that you, that you show me, I am struck by the art. It is, yeah. it's pretty fantastic. How did you guys come to figure out who should be doing the art for this book? Well, yeah. So that was quite, that was a bit of a process because so much of this was, um, I have very specific art tastes, uh, especially as they relate to um, different types of stories. And for this, I knew that it was going to be, it needed, it needed to be someone who was very expressive. And um, I wanted more of almost like a European art look. You think about uh, Mobius. Um, and, and so Danilo Beirut, who is very expressive, very brush, has a very brushy style. And he's also, um, there's a lot of Jack Kirby in him uh, as far as like his innovativeness and, and his character design is so spectacular. And then Tamara Bonvillain, who's one of the top colorists in the industry by far, like to get her was, was a huge get for us. Um, and so for me, it was like, it was a conversation with Lance about like, we want this to feel a certain way visually. Like we want this to have the same level of prestige visually that I think the underlying um, kind of thematics of the story um, really warrant. 
And, um, you know, Lance was great. Like he, he was so supportive of it. And, and he, you know, he, some of, some of his wording to me was, was such, he was like, he's like, Hey, th this is your world. He's like, I trust you here. Like, this would be like, if I were to tell you, like, I have a preference for a certain coach over another coach, like, this is like, this is what you think. And then as Danilo was doing stuff, because the other thing too, is like, when you're, when you're trying out an artist, you're looking at before they actually do samples, if they do samples, some artists won't, some artists, it's like, Hey, you either want me to do this or you don't. Um, all you have to go by are their prior work. Well, their prior work is going to be catered to whatever the project was, you know, so it's not going to be an exact one-to-one -one fit for what they would do on in, in this case on the trap. Right. But, um, but as Danilo started doing designs, Lance, like very quickly, he was like, Oh yeah, this, this is awesome. Like, this is totally, this is, this is going to be, um, this is the way the book has to be now, you know? So um, it, it was cool. And, and, and so much of that process, not only of, of working to find an artist, but the whole experience on the book is something that like, I'm just so, it's been a lot of work, but I, I'm so proud of it. And Lance and I, you know, for, for two people who come from very different worlds, like we communicate so well and the, the, the best part is, and that might be the kind of like moral of the story just <laughs> across the board, right? Like he and I both come at this and working with each other, I truly believe from a place of respect. Um, I respect him and I respect what he brings to the table and he respects me and he respects what I do as well. And so what that means is like, we're always on the same, like we can have very honest, very frank conversations, you know? He can tell me, he's like, it wouldn't be like that, you know? And I can tell him, I don't think that character fits, you know, and, and that's, that's how, you know, it's steel. It's what is it? Steel sharpened steel yep. or whatever the saying is. I mean, that's, that's what this has been. And um, for it to finally start to see the light of day and for, for other people to see kind of what we're putting together here. That's, that's the, that's been the perk of the last uh, couple of days here. How long from concept, or I guess maybe I should phrase it this way. What's the shortest amount of time from concept to hard copy have you been able to do something? <laughs> like in my career? Yeah. Well, it wasn't by choice, but um, let's, let's, we'll, we'll narrow it down further. We'll narrow it down to a full 20 page uh, comic book. Cause like a 10 page or like a backup story. Sometimes those are even tighter turnarounds, but a 20 page comic, I mean, I've written them in, in a day. It's, it's not fun. It's not fun at all, but yeah, like a real, real tight deadline. I've, I've written one overnight. Um, wow. Usually, usually I like a week. I like a week on a script cause then I can really pace myself and I can do like four pages a day script wise. Um, but then from there, the thing is like an artist is going to need, most artists are about five to six weeks. Um, the level of detail in comics these days is just, you know, through the roof off the charts. Right. But that takes time. And, uh, from the time the book goes to the printer, it's like three weeks before it's in stands or on, on stands. So like I've, you could, you could do, <laughs> you could do a book, uh, real, real fast. 
Um, it, I don't recommend it. It's often not very good. But like, for example, my first really big book at DC was this miniseries called Gates of Gotham. And um, I'd been writing these backup stories in Batman and in Detective Comics. And they were focusing on a brand new character named the Night Runner. And he was a French Algerian uh, kid from uh, Clichy Soubois, which was one of the um, you know, rougher areas in the Paris suburbs. It's where like, um, I can't remember if the movie, if Lahaine is set there, but it's where during protests in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, like two kids died. They were, they were trapped in like an electrical uh, facility, I think, or power station. And so then I think then, then the protests got even bigger. So we were setting it there. And this was this kid from a, a single mother family, uh, or he, he had a, he had a, um, a single, single mother who uh, was Muslim. He wasn't practicing, but it, that was the point. It was like, it was a pacifist superhero. It was like the, it was the Batman of Paris, right? So I wrote these backup stories and um, there was quite a bit of kind of, not controversy, but noise around them. Like the Daily Show did a big segment on the character and, and everything. And, and um, you know, some people weren't pleased with the fact that we were exploring this, you know, um, new version of a Parisian Batman from a, you know, predominantly minority, um, a, 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 I don't even know how I would describe it, like from a, from a, a minority minority family and uh but they were really good i was really proud of them and everyone at dc was really really happy with them and proud of them as well and so i get this call and it's from the batman group editor mike martz and he goes uh hey man how, how would you feel about writing a, a batman miniseries and i was like yeah that sounds that sounds great and and my artist who had just done those night runner stories without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With me, he had been on the phone with Martz earlier in the, earlier in the day, and he's like, so he called, had called me a few hours earlier and he's like, yeah, March just offered me this Batman miniseries. I was like, that sounds great. He's like, yeah. And I was like, you don't sound excited. And he's like, I, well, I don't know what it is. Like there, he's not really, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I guess it's cool. It's Batman. I was like, well, Hey dude, if you need, need any help, you want to talk over anything, like just hit me up. So then when Martz calls me a few hours later and he's like, do you want to do this Batman miniseries um, with, with Scott Snyder? And I was like, is this the thing you talked to Trevor about? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, he wasn't sure what it is. He's like, well, yeah, that's kind of the thing. He goes, uh, it's going to be a murder mystery. And the mystery is so big that it spans eras. And it requires all of the different members of the Bat family to come together because it goes back generations, like to the 1800s. And, um, and it's going to really rock the foundation of Gotham and the Bat family. And it's called Gates of Gotham. And I was like, that sounds awesome. He's like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're into it. And I was like, yeah. I was like, so, so what's the mystery? And there's this long pause. And he's like, well, that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> he goes, and we're announcing the book in two days. Oh my God. And this is my first real big work at DC. And so the idea was that Scott would be there as a safety net for me, but this was really like a showcase book for me. 
And so we mock, we did a cut, we, we, Trevor, Scott and I got on the phone and very quickly I narrowed it down. I was like, I don't want to tell all these generations. Like I was really into devil in the white city at the time. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of like burning the, building the first skyscrapers in America through the lens of the four families of, you know, Gotham royalty that helped shape the modern city, much less Gotham as a modern city. Um, was really fascinating to me. And then it was like, okay, well, what if we build a, a, a fifth family that kind of got screwed over, but they're the real architects, the Gates brothers that, that actually executed these designs. And then they were passed over by the families of power in Gotham then, but then in the present day, it's actually Dick Grayson as Batman looking into this mystery because someone is blowing up a lot of the structures and the bridges and some of the buildings that these, this family had actually built back in the day. And so it's this, there's this like really cool, like through line um, thematically where, where Dick Grayson is going, man, if I, if you don't have blood in Gotham, you'll never truly understand Gotham. Like if Bruce were doing this, he would get it. Just like those brothers, they weren't truly from Gotham in the 1800s. That's why they got screwed over. And ultimately, of course, that's not, that's not the case and saves the day, et cetera. But yeah, we had nothing. <laughs> so it was like, we had to figure out on the fly up front, like, okay, how, what is this? You know, it's called Gates of Gotham. It's murder mystery. We know we want to do that era. And then it was a then and now story. And so we had enough for Trevor to do the first cover. We announced it. And then I was just like, I was just like writing my ass off. Um, and then another time when I, when they gave me as a result of that book starting to come out and was doing very well and was very positively received. Um, I've only just started telling the story publicly. So, uh, only because enough time has gone by but like when the new 52 launched they gave me nightwing but i was actually writing deathstroke already and nightwing's my all-time favorite character and everyone kind of knew that and it's dick grayson and i was doing it in gates of gotham etc so i'm in new york for the launch of gates of gotham and i'm taking meetings with dc i was working out of the offices there too while i was in town and like the night before i'm supposed to fly home i get this text from martz and he's like hey can you come back in to the offices i was like I'm going home tomorrow morning. He's like, yeah, but can you come in now? I was like, what's up? He goes, it's your dream job. And I go in and he's like, uh, and, and so there was another writer that was going to be writing Nightwing and it didn't work out, but it didn't work out four days before they were to, to announce the whole new line of titles for the new 52. What? So I'm sitting in this meeting and they're like, so happy you're going to do this. You're going to take over. But like Eddie needs to draw like the artist tomorrow. So like you have to write seven pages tonight for him to start drawing. And yeah, I mean, it's just like that happens in comics all the time. I mean, I would get phone calls, especially when I was at DC, like I would get phone, I would get a phone call on a Friday sometimes where it was like, okay, the book's going to the printer in, uh, you know, three hours and notes came down from, you know, up high that, uh, yeah, the, 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 the relationship between, you know, Nightwing and Batgirl. Yeah. I think you need like, it needs whatever. And so you need to write new dialogue and caption boxes on these pages and you have 20 minutes. So it's like that, you know, it, it's a lot, but you get real good, um, real fast. You have to anyway. Um, so the trap is not like that. <laughs> we've been, we've you, been, you've had time. Lance and I have been building the story, like I said, for about a year and a half now. So we actually had a standing Zoom call every Sunday for months where we would jump on a Zoom and just go over everything and keep building and, you know, keep iterating. And 
building out the outline together, building out all the character decks together. Like, so we're in a pretty good place with it. This is exciting, man. I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are working on this together. Cause I think it's, it's a wonderful project for you both. Yeah. And, and I think it's yeah. a lot of fun. Wh- why, why Kickstarter? Why did you guys decide let's, let's do a Kickstarter with this. So the, the, the reality is, um, it, it really comes down to the format. Um, first of all, uh, ownership's really important um, to me and to Lance. And especially a story like this, that so much of it is coming from uh, or is inspired by Lance's own life in, in so many ways. Um, we really wanted to tell this. Um, we wanted to be able to maintain ownership, but we also wanted to tell it as an original graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to tell it as a mini series or as an ongoing series. We wanted to tell it at least this first volume as an original graphic novel. Unfortunately in comics though, like graphic novels are real tough. They're real tough. Why are they tough? Because, because okay. So the difference between a mini series and a graphic novel is that, and a lot of people throw the term graphic novel around when what they actually really mean is a trade paperback. So a graphic novel, it only ever comes out in that, in that one book. That's it. All 100 pages or 120 pages in that one book. A trade paperback is the same size. It's, it's the one book, but all the, all the story material in that trade paperback already came out as monthly comic book issues. So it's a collection of a monthly comic book release as opposed to an original graphic novel that comes out all just at once, right? What that means, though, is that if it's coming out as a monthly comic, there's this is like super like down the rabbit hole. Of no, do it. Baseball. If it comes out as a monthly comic book, you get two bites at the apple. You get a bite at the apple in the direct market in the monthly comic book form format. But then you get the bite at the apple in the book market with the trade paperback, the collected edition of it. Right. So publishers will typically you know, if, if we were going to do this book at say image, for example, like they'd probably be able to do an advance for this so that the creators can actually, you know, eat, uh, <laughs> and, uh, pay their rent, uh, as they're working. That, that's the other thing is like a comic. I, I said before, like a, an artist, it takes usually about five to six weeks just to do black and whites. That's like 14 hours a day though. So it's a ton of labor in a comic book. If it's coming out as a monthly, you know, release, um, you can probably get it to maintain ownership. You could get an advance, like I said, from image. That's what I do with a lot of my image books, but to try to, to get an advance for 120 pages that won't ever come out monthly, but will only come out in, in a hardcover. That's it, no publishers really do that. Um, and so it, it became about like, okay, can we raise the money? to um, cover our production costs, uh, printing and fulfillment, but also um, for our art team, for, for us to write it, um, because it's gonna take to do 120 pages, it's gonna take eight to 10 months for, for an artist. So it really just, it comes out of like, especially in this, in this time right now, where publishing is so, you know, it, it's everything in the world scary. Um, so we just thought, you know what, we feel like this is really a really timely project. 
and we've been working on it for a long time. And so let's put it out there now into the world and let's, let's see what the world thinks and see if we can raise the money to actually make this happen. I think it's a, a really wonderful idea to do it that way. And I'm more than happy to help you guys try to get to your goal. Oh, I appreciate uh, it. I mean, it's it's important. Like, I like that 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 the arts, that the people still care. Like, that in in a world where people are asking for escape, like yeah. this is one of the ways where they can escape. And 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 that's the thing. That's that's one of the things I want to double back on for a second too, because I know like, and I tend to do this sometimes. My apologies, but like, I know we were talking earlier. I was talking about a lot of the kind of underlying kind of messaging or, or, or thematic stuff that we were looking to explore. And I know that can be off-putting like to, to hear, to talk about, especially right now when, when we do just want escapism. So I just want to also, I want to add like narratives is narrative is king to me or queen. Like it is the most important thing bar none. So like, ultimately this is just a, this is going to be, it already is a really great story and you can read it on surface level if you want or you could dive deeper and and see some of the the issues that we are reframing but i i, I just i don't want to be too off-putting i guess is what i'm what i'm trying to i don't think you're being off-putting no. i think you're you're telling the story of of what it is that you guys are trying to accomplish and yeah. that it works on multiple levels yeah there you go and there's there's nothing wrong with that why should people number one support this effort mm-hmm. by by being a part of the Kickstarter campaign? And number two, why should they want the book? Well, because it's great for starters. It's so great that V. Lawrence Holmes is having me on his podcast right now to talk about it. I mean, what better endorsement could I ever hope for? Whatever. <laughs> like I said, it's so <laughs> this is actually something that like kind of goes back to kind of why I do this in the first place. This book is a great example of it. I hate writing. I truly hate it, but I love telling stories. Mm. And if I've got an awesome story to tell, I will, I will do anything that it takes to get it out there. And that may even mean I have to write it. And this is one of those. Like I said, when, when Lance and I sat down, for the first time I started talking about this, like, yes, I wanted to find something for us to do together, but I was, you know, I was honest. I, I said, like, I want to find the right thing, you know, something that really sparks both of us that, that both of us are passionate about. What is that Venn diagram of things that interest Lance and things that interest Kyle? And then on top of that, what is the Venn diagram of things that I don't want to speak for Lance, but I'll, 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 I'll just speak for myself things that I could not write myself. This is a story that I could not write by myself. Not, not at all. Right. It, and I shouldn't, it's not my story to tell, but I love that I can come in and I can work with Lance and help him to tell his story and where I can add in things that I've learned over the years and, you know, other aspects and different ideas. Like, of course I'm going to, you know, the, 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 when I say I hate writing, it's because it's very lonely and it's, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many emails you return or how many calls you get on or whatever, there's no way around the butt in the chair time that it takes to actually break something and to do the work. And it's just you against yourself. 
But when you're co-writing, at the very least, you're not in it alone. And so that collaboration is one of the things that really keeps me going as a storyteller and as a writer. And uh, there was a second thing that I've totally forgotten. Uh, <laughs> No, I, what was your question? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you summed, you summed it up perfectly on why people should, they should support it and why people should read it. Like that's all. That's all. That's all I wanted to know. So it's something like I said. It's something that Lance and I and Danilo and Tamra and Sasha and Hassan, like we're all very passionate about. And like when you put, when you put the right team together, whether it's sports or it's comics the sum is 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 um is stronger than the wait what is it the part oh, the sum is greater than the parts there you go parts of the whole yeah and it's the same in like i said it's the same in sports as it is in comics and like to see danilo take lance and my you know our prompts or our ideas and to actually realize those as characters where you look at Jalen, you go, Oh, that's Jalen. That's, that's just, that's what he's always been like. That's Jalen. Like it's, it's magic. And then for Tamara to come in and to create, like I said, it's this kind of European science fiction mood. It's, it's, it's not what we were, you know, necessarily expecting. And I just fell in love with it. The second I saw it, I said, Oh yeah, that's the world of the trap. That's, that's Chicago in, you know, 200 years from now in our story. Same thing with the logo design, the lettering style, like all of those, all of a sudden, it, it the, the work kind of becomes distinct from what the initial ideas were. It kind of does take on a life of its own. And like, if you hold on, you know, you can, you can really kind of, you know, ride that collaboration to even greater heights, you know? And um, like I said, it's like any good team. And, and so when we really, when we really, I knew when we we struck gold with all the different collaborators when the pieces started coming in and we went, this is a book. Like, this is something that I really want to see. And once I realize it's something I really want to see, like, like I said, I will do anything to get it out into the world. Awesome, man. We're done. Awesome. That was fairly painless. Yeah, no, that's my goal. My goal is to make it painless. <laughs> um, I do want to invite you on again at some point. Mm -hmm. Cause I do want to talk about Ultraman. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I want to get into, but I want this the focus of this to be the trap. I appreciate it, and also like I know I and feel free to cut it up um, at all if if you want. Um, I don't know, my brain is just so fried today. Dude. But I just worry like talking about certain things. Like I couldn't find the words when we were talking earlier at the start, where I'm I'm talking about these, you know marginalized communities, communities or areas like I no, don't I actually thought that you the your the parallel you drew between marginalized communities and a marginalized earth I actually think is super important because it's yeah. it, it's the old idea of yeah the only thing that's going to unite this planet is if someone else comes down here dude I I should <laughs> I know you would have gotten it I should have just used the squid reference from yes Watson. like yeah like that that has stuck with me for since I read Watchmen in high school, where it was like, wow, the only way we will ever unite is if we all have a common enemy or if we are all put into the same situation where, you know, the things that, uh, what's, what's that great Jeff Tweedy line? Like, um, hate will keep us together. Yep. 
<laughs> the things we hate, you know, or, or, or the trials we all face. And, and to me, like, that's that it, it's an idea that I'm, I was like very pleased when we landed on it because I felt like, oh man, not only does this create an awesome backdrop for us to tell these cool science fiction stories and do all this great world building, but we can also say something here that maybe it will resonate for someone who had never seen themselves in this type of environment before. But now that this environment is the entire planet and everyone's in it, um, you know, maybe there is a little bit of empathy there. What an incredible way to look at this project that, that they're doing. I love talking with Kyle because I feel like he's one of the smartest people that I surround myself with. And you can hear what his approach is to doing work. And I feel like it's very similar to mine, which which means like we're both crazy, like in 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 all of the things that you try to take on and and try to perfect. I'm glad that that he and Lance have have really put their hands in the dirt to to use some football vernacular, put their hands in the dirt. To, to make this happen. Again, they have a Kickstarter campaign. You should definitely support it. Become one of the backers. It's called The Trap. Some of the artwork is really, really amazing. They, they put together an all-star team of people, as you heard Kyle explain in there. And the thing with Kyle is like, what's that dude going to do next? You know, cause I feel like he's going to be on the forefront of something big and hopefully, hopefully when he, he gets to that next big thing, he he's, he, he'll still come and hang out on the podcast. <laughs> hopefully that is the case, but I suspect that, that he will because he'll want to ask me about what's going on with the white Sox and all sorts of, of other stuff. Yeah, I got an idea that I'm toying around with. I've been I I've been toying around with it for months. It's definitely sci-fi e. As you know, I love comics. I love science fiction stuff. I have a concept that I'm working on. There's a couple of things I haven't been able to figure out, but that's why I can call on people like Kyle to to ask questions on how to tell the story, if the story is even worthy of being told. I'm not arrogant enough to believe that just because it came from my brain that people are going to enjoy it, especially something that's outside of what people know me for in the first place. But I, I really dig it. I'm, I'm also really happy for Lance. Like it's, I was worried. I'll just tell you straight up and down. After Lance stopped playing, I was worried that he was going to struggle to find purpose. And a lot of people do after they're done playing. Like, think about it. Like, you're in your mid-30s when you're done playing. Like, that's super old for football, but really young for life. And what do you end up doing in, in that time? He went back to school. I remember that. He went back to Arizona, and I remember we were doing a show together. And he was telling me about how how hard his classes were and that it was important for him after being someone that, 
played, you know, a decade and a half in the NFL and the way that Lance played, that it was important for him to keep, as he would say, to keep his mind lubricated. That he wanted to keep working on things and challenging things and he didn't want to, he didn't want to just stop. So whether it's doing stuff on NBC Sports Chicago or it's him doing some of the, the I think the sports bet, I want to make sure I get that right, with him and Alex that they do on Instagram or going back to school or working on this project that he is he is ridiculously passionate about. The reason that he's not on the pod is because I had him on the radio show. I thought that I'd go like a two-pronged approach to 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 helping promote this because those two guys, like I adore them both. And I wanted to know more about the process of all of this. And so that's why House of L was like a better fit for Kyle because we could go 40 minutes and talk about process where on the score, like I kind of had to ask Lance what he thought about the – Nick Foles change, and then we got into the comic book stuff. But I'm glad that he is doing all of those things, man, that he is out here. He's still enjoying his life, but that he's finding purpose. That group of bears, I got to tell you, for the most part, that group of bears, they, they've all seemed to have found post-playing purpose. If you go back to episode 132, there's Mike Brown. That Mike Brown episode is classic. Go back and listen to it if you missed it. It's really good. His main purpose is being a great dad, and that's what his focus is on, even though everyone wants Mike to go coach somewhere. And the fact that Mike's umpiring, and he talks about that, like umpiring Little League, and he's so happy doing it. It's great. Alex Brown is a media star, but on top of being a media star, he he runs a, a shipping company. Like, don't get it twisted. Alex Brown is one of the best business people that I know. And he has been able to leverage his time in the NFL and that million-dollar smile and charm that he has. And he's doing well. Lance has is, is found his purpose as an analyst, a respected one. I'm also really hopeful that he gets into the Hall of Fame. He's working on this book, The Trap. Rashi Davis' is, is Saturday Place charity is amazing. What he's doing for underserved youths in Chicago with Saturday's Place is just top-notch. Spice Adams is like the biggest star in the world. <laughs> and the episode with Spice, you should go back and look for it too. It's great. And him talking about his uh, his life after football or knowing when football was over for him was really fantastic. So there's that. Israel Adonaje is out here still putting on for Chicago with the charity work that he's doing. 
Devin Hester seems like he's found himself too. He better get into the hall. Charles Tillman. Same thing. I'm not going to talk about Charles's business. But on top of his business, he continues to challenge himself physically. Like that row across Lake Michigan, like the guy's insane, like in a good way. He's totally insane. Thomas Jones is like an award-winning actor now. Honestly, you know what? I'm going to do a whole episode on this. I know I'm talking about it now. I'm going to do a whole episode on this. Because you look back at those like 05, 06, 07 teams of the Bears and look where the guys are now. It's pretty crazy. Olin Krutz, who would have thought that Olin Krutz would be one of the most important analyst voices on the Bears? We all thought that we'd never see Olin again after he he was done playing. And on top of that, he's raising six kids. He's running a gym. He's helping people out. He's helping former players out to help them find purpose. It's pretty, pretty outstanding. Someone should do a whole podcast on it. I think maybe I'm that guy to, to do it. I should get Thomas Jones on the podcast anyway. Like, I haven't done, like, a long-form interview with him on here. So I'm going to put that on the list. I'll reach out to TJ and see if if he's got time because the boy is working, working hard. I appreciate your support. I appreciate the support of Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. Go buy a car from them. Tell them that I sent you. And David Hochberg. Man, this guy has helped me out of some jams that he can help you. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. Homeside Financials, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 1124061. Please scroll through the catalog. House of L has got so many episodes now. Like, Just scroll through because there's definitely an interview that you'll want to hear, whether it's Steve Rosenblum or Mark Grody or Jason Goff. Or Cheryl Scott, like way back at the beginning of the podcast. Or Mike Brown in episode 132. Or the Black Like Me episode. Or the episode 100 with my best friend, Afia. I think that you'll dig it. So go scroll through. And the baseball podcast is killer. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Peace!